0: Welcome to episode 284 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to give you five practical ways that you can abide in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of difficulty. Let's dive in. I recently received an email from a man named Wyatt. He was listening to the latest podcast about Jesus being the true vine. And he asked this question. He said, in your episode, you mentioned the pruning times in your life. And if you're willing, I would love to hear an episode on that. Also possibly some practical ways we can abide in Christ through hardship and temptations. And I'll address the pruning seasons of my life in another episode, but I wanted to address Wyatt's question about, okay, how do we actually abide in Jesus Christ through our times of difficulty? In other words, as we've been walking through the series about Jesus being the I am in the book of John, the last I am statement that Jesus gives is in John 15. He says, I am the true vine. And in the last episode, we talked about okay, what does it mean for us to abide in Jesus Christ? And I mentioned this idea of the pruning seasons of our life. So how do we do that practically? How do we actually abide, hold tight to, refuse to depart and rest in Jesus Christ, regardless of what is going on around us? Well, in this episode, I want to talk through five ways we can do that. Scripture makes it very clear that we are to always abide in Jesus Christ, that he is our life. And this becomes all the more important in times of struggle and trials and difficulty and persecution and just the problems of life. So here are five ways that we can practically abide in Jesus Christ, no matter what is going on around us. Number one is this idea of keeping our gaze upon the Lord. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is walking out on the water. And if you remember the story, Peter sees Jesus and says, Jesus, if that's really you, call me out upon the waves. And so Jesus says, Hey, come. And listen to what happens in the passage. It says, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And when he began to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. It's interesting to me that as you look at the passage, as long as Peter was gazing and keeping his focus on Jesus Christ, he was able to actually walk on water, which is incredible. And yet the moment that his gaze turned upon the actual issues and struggles and the winds and the waves, well, that's when he began to sink. And there's a profound principle for the Christian life in that passage. And it's that Jesus Christ must be our focus. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the fact that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. But then he says we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're to throw off sin and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. In the Christian life, it is absolutely necessary for us to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but there's this interesting principle or this concept that if I'm keeping my gaze on Jesus, it is amazing how the temptations of life really just don't have an appeal. Because the principle, again, is this, it's whatever you focus on grows bigger and stronger in your life. So if I'm keeping my gaze upon Jesus, he is going to grow bigger and stronger in my life. But the moment I turn my gaze upon the sin or the problem or the temptation, it's only a matter of time before I either give in to that temptation or I find myself living in despair and anxiety and fear in the midst of the turbulent times in which I live. So what are the practical ways that we can actually triumph and and walk in victory and, and in this abiding relationship with Christ is he must be central in our lives. Paul in Colossians 1:18 says that Jesus is to be preeminent that he is to be first place in our lives. That the totality of our life must be focused and centered upon Jesus Christ. And again go back to the vine and branch illustration a branch doesn't just vacation in the vine. It must live moment by moment by moment in the life of the vine. So what would happen then if we turned our entire focus, our gaze, our passion, and our obsession and put it upon Jesus Christ? And we began to build our lives around him, that we began to delight ourselves in him. As the psalmist says that we would meditate upon him day and night, that we would just Focus and delight ourselves upon the God of the universe. So let us keep our gaze upon the Lord. Number two is this idea of we must know the purpose of the pruning. In the John 15 passage, I mentioned in the last episode that if you're a dead branch, you are pruned off permanently, right? You're just cut off and thrown into the fire. But if you're a healthy branch, strangely, God seems to delight. Impruning back his branches so that they'll bear more fruit. And I mentioned that an incredible passage in Romans chapter 8, where God is leveraging all things in our lives, Romans 8:28, for His purpose and His plan. But then why is he doing that? Well, verse 29 tells us that he wants to conform us to the image of His dear son, that, that we are to look like Jesus. And as such, he's going to leverage the struggles and the problems and the difficulties of life to bring about the reality of Christ and his life within us. So we must know the purpose of that pruning so that when I'm going through the difficulties, when I'm going through the trials, when I'm going through the struggles of life, that I can say, okay, look, I know this is a hard season. I know this is just crazy But I know what God's going to do through this, that God is working a purpose and a plan in the midst of the pruning. And when I know that purpose of that pruning, it gives me great hope and confidence and faith in what God is doing. I can trust and depend in him. Listen to what James chapter one, verse two through four says, James says, count it all joy. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Isn't that interesting? James says, hey, when you are facing trials and testing, get excited. Why? Well, because I know where this is all leading. I know the fact that when I'm dealing with the struggles and the trials and the testings of life, that my faith is, is producing endurance and that endurance, hey, when it has its perfect result, it's bringing about this perfection and completion where I am lacking nothing. So I need to know the purpose of those trials or listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter five. I love this passage. In verses three through five of chapter five, Paul says not only this, but we brag, we boast, we celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, Paul is saying the same thing as James that Paul says, I can boast, I can brag, I can celebrate in the midst of my tribulations, in the midst of those trials of life, because I know that that tribulation is bringing about perseverance. That perseverance brings about character, and that character brings about great hope. So, whatever you're facing, whatever the trials or the testings or the tribulations that you may be going through right now, Know the purpose of that pruning. Know God's agenda behind it. Number three, we are called to celebrate in every circumstance. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So, If you come up to me and say, Nathan, what is God's will for my life? I'd say, okay, well, I may not know your profession or what God's calling you in that sense, but I know without a doubt that you are called to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. So are you doing that in the midst of every circumstance you face? Are you actually rejoicing? Are you living with this bubbling forth of leaping for joy? Are you praying without ceasing? Are you in this constant intimacy with the Lord? And are you giving thanks? Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4 says, I am overflowing. Think about this. I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. That in the midst of the difficulty, Paul says, Wow, I am just, I am bubbling forth with joy. Why? Well, because he knows that we are called to celebrate in every circumstance. And granted, I don't have to thank God for the problem, but I need to thank God in the midst of the problem. Did you catch that? It's not that I have to thank God for the actual problem I'm dealing with, because there's a lot of stuff that God allows into our life that he did not cause. That there are other people's sin that, you know, and causes this chaos in our own lives. Well, I don't have to say, well, God, thank you so much for this sin that someone else produced in my, you know, or because of their sin, it produced chaos in my life. But I do need to thank God in the midst of it for who he is and what he's doing. In other words, he is going to leverage everything in my life. And though he may not have caused everything, he has allowed it in my life and I can thank him that he is with me in the midst of anything that I face. So will am I willing to celebrate in every circumstance, which really goes to this idea of number four, which is, I need to recognize that no matter what I go through, God's grace is sufficient. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 says, he, he's recounting this encounter that he had with Jesus. And he said that Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So here's Paul's conclusion. Well, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distress, in persecutions, in difficulties on behalf of Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. God's grace is sufficient. That no matter what you are going through, what no matter what you're going through, his grace is available and it is sufficient. There's just a wonderful story that I heard years ago about this man that no matter the circumstance, he would always say, For this, I have Jesus. And when good things were happening in his life, he's like, Whoa, for this I have Jesus. And when the bad times happen in life, he would say, Even in this, I have Jesus. And as the story goes, he was driving home and he noticed there's a whole bunch of fire trucks and he noticed that his house was on fire and burnt down to the ground. And someone came up to him and says, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle this? And he says, oh, for this, I too have Jesus. Do you realize that we will never face anything as believers where his grace will not be sufficient? See, he'll, he'll never leave us alone we talked about previously in the I am statements that he is a great shepherd. And as a great shepherd, he is going to lead and guide and protect his sheep. And I can hold fast to the fact that when I am a believer, when the Lord Jesus Christ lives inside of my life, he will never ever leave me alone. He will never forsake me. He will never just toss me aside that I can stand in a confident hope. And as such, I have nothing to fear because his grace is sufficient for every situation of my life. I have Jesus. Lastly, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, is this idea of what if I didn't have to be the one that carries the weight or the pressure of the hard times or the difficulties or the trials or the tribulations of my life? What if I actually gave those to the Lord. In Psalm 37, verse 5, the psalmist says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. And that word commit in the Hebrew is really fascinating. It gives this picture of rolling a weight or a burden upon the back of a pack animal, like a donkey or a camel. So for the sake of illustration, if I came up to you and said, okay, you need to carry a 1,000 pounds across 500 miles of desert, could you do it? No. <laughs> like, that's impossible. That, that is a trial, a tribulation that you cannot endure by yourself. But what if you took the weight or that pressure and rolled that upon a, the back of a pack animal? What if you put that weight upon a donkey or a camel? Do you realize then you could then take the rein And lead that pack animal across the 500 miles of desert. And yet, though you are carrying that weight, that thousand pounds, the burden is not upon you. And when you look at what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 37, he says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will do it. In other words, don't be the one that carries the weight take the burdens of your life and commit your way unto him. Literally take your life and roll the burdens of your life upon the back of the Lord. He is more than able to carry the weights of your life. And then would you trust him to walk with you and in you through life? And and yes, you're carrying the weight, but you're not carrying the weight. I've given the illustration before too of, Imagine you have this little, you know, elementary school kid with a big heavy backpack and the father comes up and he puts his hand through that little loop at the top and he just holds the weight of the backpack. And it's interesting that that little kid can feel the shoulder straps. He can feel the fact that the that the backpack is weighted down, but he's not the one carrying it. And then could you imagine the father's just holding the weight of the backpack? And And yes, the little kid can feel the straps and yes, he can feel the fact that there is weight there but the weight is not upon his shoulders. The father is carrying that weight. See, what would happen if that was our lives and we allowed the God of the universe to carry the weight and the burdens of our lives? Jesus in Matthew 11 said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is wanting to carry the burdens of our lives. So let's go back to this idea of the vine and the branches. We are called as a branch to continually abide in the vine. And yes, that vine dresser, the father is going to be pruning our lives. So how... How do we abide? How do we practically abide in the midst of the pruning seasons? How do we hold fast to Jesus Christ regardless of what is going on around me? Well, again, I I see five biblical things that we are called to do. We're called to keep our gaze, our our focus fixed upon Jesus Christ, that, that we should know the purpose behind his pruning and why he's allowing that pruning in our lives that we are called to celebrate in every circumstance and say, God, I, I am so thankful that you are with me in the middle of this. And we are called to rejoice always. We are to remember that God's grace is sufficient, that we have Jesus living inside of our lives through his indwelling Holy Spirit. And as such, his grace will always be enough for anything that I face. And what if I would take every burden, every worry, every concern, every fear, every anxiety, every pressure, every trial, every tribulation, and roll it upon the strong arm of our God and allow him to carry the weight and the pressures of our life. For as 1 Peter 5, 7 says, that we are to cast all our anxiety or cares upon the Lord, for he cares about you. That God so overwhelmingly loves you that he cares for you. So throw the weight of your life upon him. Ultimately, this all comes down to, will you hold tight to Jesus? Would you refuse to depart from him regardless of what is going on? And would you delight yourself in him knowing that he has a purpose and a plan through all of those trials and all of those testings which is to conform us to his image. And when I keep that in the back of my mind, when I say, God, this is a hard season, but I know what you are doing. You are leveraging this in my life so that I look more like you. So Lord have at it. It changes your focus. It changes your attitude. It changes your approach to dealing with those trials and those difficulties. Again, this is not about what a branch can do for the vine. This is, as a branch, would I humbly submit myself? Would I throw myself upon the life of the vine? And would I just cling, rest, and refuse to depart from his life that he wants to do impart, and demonstrate in and through my life? So this is not about your talent. This is not about your wisdom. This is not about your giftings. This is about, regardless of what you're going through, would you allow Jesus to be seen in and through your life, which means we must keep our focus. We must cling to him all the tighter. We must build our lives around him and he must be the very center, the focus and the preeminent one in our lives. So let's go after Jesus afresh. Let us make him the center and the focus of everything that is happening in our lives. Well, hopefully that was a help and encouragement as we all just continue to press down the narrow way of the cross and continue to seek after the Lord. Well, thanks as always for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of those five ways that we can practically abide in Jesus and all the verses that I mentioned, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 284 for episode 284. And until next time, know I'm cheering you on and praying for you as you build your life around Jesus Christ.